0: Hey everybody, before we start, just want to say thank you to anyone and everyone who listens to this podcast. Uh, In case you missed my tweet from a few weeks ago, uh, we had 6,000 streams in 2018, and while that may seem like a relatively small number, uh, I'm not sure I ever expected that there'd be 6,000 streams on something that I'm just kind of putting up to the ether. So to each and every person who listens to this podcast, thank you. Hey Luke, what's
1: going on? Uh, you know, Christmas is over, so I'm just in a coma. Food and uh, still? Sleep. Well, you know, it just it never ends. Oh, It usually ends.
0: Like, You'd think so. <laughs> first January.
1: It's hard to uh, it's hard to um, not relax in that first week of January, even though I was back to work and technically it was normal work. It just everybody felt like. We were sleepwalking a little bit, and, and around here, pretty much the on-air people were the only ones working. So, nice. yeah, I'm still—I've been in a coma since since January thir- or December 31st. Nice, which would be the last the last day that that I had anything.
0: What about you? Uh, yeah, you know, Christmas was good back in Nova Scotia. I had like nine, ten days, and uh, uh, yeah, it was, it was fun. Had had night in Quebec City on the way back and we got to photos. Ontario yeah it's first time in Quebec City I hadn't been there since I was like 15 years wow. old Caitlin uh, has never been there so she really enjoyed it we had a we had dinner at uh, in our hotel restaurant I picked that one for a reason it had a revolving uh revolving roof i mm-hmm, guess mm-hmm. or rooftop restaurant and so we, over the course of your meal you see the entire city from from top, so it was really it was really nice, and it it, uh, it met expectations. Well, that's good. So yeah, uh, Christmas was good. It was uh, good to see everybody back home, and lots of lots of family time while I was there.
1: Yeah, that's that's important.
0: Yeah, so I I called you in today because. I called you in, but asked you if you wanted to come in. Uh, <laughs> Demanded just, I come in, <laughs> yeah, to do another check-in. Just we did one before Christmas, and uh, that one was recorded quite a ways before Christmas, a couple weeks before Christmas. Yeah, but uh, but
1: it came out at last the week, beginning or, of January, yeah, beginning
0: of January, and uh, I wanted to uh, follow up on that mm. just because there was a lot of meat in that one in terms of our personal. Uh, details and yeah. announcements that we had on the go. Uh, so the first thing I wanted to ask you was you made your official announcement that mm-hmm. you were having a child a on fan. Yep. Yeah, Christmas Eve? <laughs> Christmas Eve?
1: Yes, Christmas Eve was and, when we
0: And uh, what was the what was the
1: reaction? Uh it was great. I mean, for the most part we had told, I think I mentioned this on the last podcast. We had told pretty much everybody like that we deemed quote unquote important to tell and that was just sort of a put it out to the world sort of thing. But I think, honestly, the most fun I had was we put it out at, like, ten thirty in the morning on Christmas Eve. And then uh, the church that I attend has a Christmas Eve service. And we weren't going to go because my family celebrate like, my my immediate family celebrates on Christmas Eve. Um, but Christine was like, well, we should go now because, we're, like, we're announcing and I, and I want to give people a chance to, to say congratulations. And so we went. And it was really fun because you could, there was this like fifty fifty split of people who had been on Facebook that day and people who had not been on Facebook that day, and that was probably the most fun I had because mm-hmm. there were a lot of like confused people who were just why are, why is everybody hugging Luke and Christine that doesn't make any sense, and people who didn't even bother to figure out why, and so that was fun combined with then the next Sunday when we when we came in and then all of those people realized why we had been getting hugs on on Christmas Eve, but yeah, it was. Uh, we told the last, what was it, her family was on the 23rd. That was really lovely. Uh, her grandparents are uh, in, a, in a long-term care home for memory issues. It's deer, uh, dear something. It's up on, on Garth, uh, Garth and Rymel, a really great place. So we went for Christmas there, and because they both suffer from memory-type uh, issues, we had decided we want to wait till like, the very end. To tell them almost right before because even if they remember that we're pregnant they're certainly not going to remember not to tell anybody Mm -hmm. but it was just such this wonderful thing with her grandma because we weren't sure exactly how it was going to go if she would understand right away and it was just bang right away she got it Hmm. her grandfather a little bit (laughs) it took a little bit longer but yeah we gave them a card with the little announcement photo on it and it was really really sweet and you then, didn't
0: ask them who could use a leaf sweater a <laughs> <no. side>. <laughs> <laughs> that would have, if that didn't work
1: on her mom it wasn't gonna work on uh it wasn't gonna work on on her grandmother yeah. but no it was really yeah that was one of the sweeter ones that we've we've gotten to do and then yeah we put it out there on the on the 24th and it was like just this nonstop, like oh it's out in the open kind of thing you know christmas day we saw some people that we told uh, by a text message, and they came over. They have a two month old, and so we just—it was like just baby talk for the entirety of of that. And then we saw my family on my my dad's side of the family on the thirtieth. And my cousin is also pregnant, and she's due two months before. And so that'll be the first great grandchild, and then ours will be the second. And that was baby everywhere. <laughs> it wow. was every—it was you know this giant celebration. So, and then. Yeah, the the thirty first, we saw one last couple that we hadn't seen that we told because they live in Winnipeg, and we told them tech, we told them uh, via text message, and we got to see them, and and then after that, it's just kind of been okay. Now everybody knows, and and it's been nice to like I I play a board game uh, in a in a league, and I had a game. I think it was this past week, Thursday, something like that. And it's really nice to sit down across the table and this guy who I know, I don't know him well, but I've known him for, for a few years say, so what's new? And I can say, well, my wife's pregnant. I don't have to like keep this secret. And especially with that, with that, that, that league, I, I, um, I joined it before I found out we were pregnant, found out we were pregnant and it's a continuing thing that goes year by year. And, I realized I'm going to have to take a little bit off of this thing. But I didn't, I had I had made some choices that I was like, this is not going to be a fun year for me playing this game. And so I remember saying that the first few times I played and everybody was like, oh, well, why is it not going to be that fun? And I had to be like, oh, I can't say why. <laughs> why? Because I have to take time off, but I can't. So it's nice that I don't have to make things up anymore. That's, you know, I don't have to pretend that we don't have giant news. It's, it's... Uh, very freeing.
0: Yeah, you were talking about uh, anxiety associated with actually, you know, being a father on the last mm-hmm. one, and um, not that this is the same. Like the uh, the idea of having to hold it in, but it, must, it, must, it sounds like it's a little bit of a relief anyway.
1: Yeah, it's crazy too because with my cousins that are that are having a baby, they. Loved keeping the secret. Like, they kept it from people way longer than we did. Christina and I told one person each the day of. We told our parents the next week. I think, if I remember correctly, my cousin didn't tell her mom until, like, a month, maybe two months in. And they just kept it secret as long as they possibly could. And they said they really enjoy it. And... I think that's, that was, that's so foreign to me. I can't, I cannot. I'd
0: like to enjoy it with everyone.
1: Yeah. And that's what's been so, that's what's been great is, is being able to, you know, it's, it's fun. And, and I get that a lot of people don't want to tell certainly before the end of the first trimester because, because something could go wrong. But I remember friends of mine, when they got pregnant, they told us, I think after two months and they I th- Christine asked, you know, why Why did you tell now? And they said, because if something goes wrong, we want to have the support of the people that we love rather than having to go through it
0: yeah, absolutely. by ourselves. And then, yeah, then you got to, yeah, that's, it would be awkward if something were to go wrong. And, and, and I think couldn't.
1: that was kind of for us too, was like, yeah, you know, if something were to go wrong, it would suck to have to go to all these people that we shared this wonderful news with and say something went wrong. But at the same time, we want them... We want They're their be support. There for you. Yeah. yeah, and 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 that was what factored heavily into our decision. And you know, now that we're past the first trimester, the risk goes way down. Doesn't mean there's no risk, but it goes way down. Uh, and now it's just nice to have people to, to celebrate with.
0: Yeah, that's cool. And people checking in, saying, you know, how how are things at this yeah. at the stage? Yeah, and
1: exactly, yeah, keeping track of um, what size the baby is because Christine has an app that keeps track of size in oh, wow. either food or fruit or animals (laughs) nice nice so i think it's a gerbil right now i like the animal she prefers the it'd be
0: weird if she had a gerbil
1: it would be uh so fingers crossed not a gerbil um or she likes to say uh since we've seen the picture it's not a sea monkey Guaranteed, (laughs) not a sea monkey
0: so what a relief yeah (laughs) uh it's been almost a month since uh we recorded that uh last podcast where you made the announcement um where – where's your – how you, how are you feeling uh, at this stage? Uh, it,
1: the it, It's not like any of it's gone. It's just faded into the background for now because it's more excitement.
0: To, to the point of telling everybody, does it make you feel like you're – have you had a sense of, you know, I'm going to be okay because I have support?
1: I think so. There's a lot of um, people saying you're going to be a good father, which, I mean, listen, people – you know even if they thought i was going to be a bad father they'd probably lie to me and say i was <laughs> going to be a good one but that helps a lot just just hearing that and i mean yeah i, I don't know it's uh, the because it's been you know the holidays are such a happy fun time and exciting it's just been more that than focusing on the the anxiousness of it and seeing a lot of other people's babies around this time is like on Christmas, the friends with the two-month-old came over, and and we had a lot of fun uh, with him. And then on New Year's Eve, friends with their two-month-old came over, and she was great. I think it's I think it's been nice to see people who are in the same life stage that I am with little babies, and they're not. Driving themselves crazy.
0: Hmm. Maybe, maybe
1: they are, and they're just really good at keeping. I expect it. they have far less sleep than
0: they used to. Yeah,
1: yeah. um That's what was interesting is is I was talking to someone actually, the guy that I played the board game with, and he was talking about how the key for he and his wife when they had their first was alternating sleep schedules. Like he took the night, and she took the, or he was awake at night, and she was awake during the day. And I thought about that, and was like that. That's actually really good. He said, like, the trouble comes when you try to both sleep at night and then you have to, one or the other has to get mm. up. And I don't know. I mean, it's not like I'm saying, oh, we're going to do that. But it certainly it gave me a thought that, like, oh, maybe there is a different way that we can do this that won't result in us driving ourselves crazy by never sleeping for the first two, three, four, however long it takes the baby to start sleeping through the night.
0: Mm. Well, it sounds like you're, you're feeling a little better about it than you were.
1: Yeah, I think so. And you know, I I think once the once the th- once like the the practical stuff starts to happen. I mean, the as far as practicality, we've got a lot of stuff for Christmas, obviously. We got a lot of baby stuff for Christmas. We gave baby stuff to each other. And we're in the process of getting a stroller. And I think but I think once like we got to get a crib. We got to turn the spare bedroom because the spare bedroom is currently my game room. And when we got to turn that into the baby's room, I think once that stuff starts happening, probably things will start coming back up. And honestly, probably when Christine starts showing a lot more. She's, it's just starting. Some days the bump is more noticeable than others and she's quick to point out when the bump is very noticeable. (laughs) Um, But I think once she's really showing, I think that's when it'll start to... And this week, which depending on when this episode comes out, uh, we have appointments where we, I think it'll be my first time hearing the heartbeat and not Christine's cause she had an appointment that she didn't know she was going to hear the heartbeat <laughs> and she ended up hearing it. Um, and then like, it's our first time meeting our OB. And so that will be, uh, yeah, right now it's just kind of us, but I think once we have more appointments and, and that stuff, yeah, it'll probably come back up. But for now I'm just enjoying, enjoying the ride.
0: Cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I had another question for you. I don't remember what it was. So. Uh, yeah. You know, congrats okay. again, and uh, it's going to come together.
1: Yeah. Yeah. June thirtieth is uh, longer than it's longer away than it probably. It feels a little longer away than it actually is right now. But yeah, it's it it'll sneak up. I'm sure. I think the. This time of year, like when we found out and then Christmas, it's very busy in my family. And so now we're headed into the, the downtime where there's not a whole lot of like, we have to go to this person's party and then this and this and this. So I think it'll be more time to just enjoy enjoy the process of being pregnant, hmm.
0: hopefully. Uh, speaking of kids, uh, my my brother's got a, a little guy. Uh, he's He just turned two. And it's when, not seeing him that much. I, I've only been home a handful of times since he was born. Uh, but this time, like, is really starting. He's really starting to, to develop personality, mm-hmm. and he's he's kind of into everything. And he's talking a lot. And it really seems like it's getting to a point where that's the fun stage at the at the two year mark, where you know you can communicate with him now. He's starting to absorb stuff and learning and that that type of thing. So uh i can definitely see the the point where uh parenthood really starts to get fun
1: mm-hmm.
0: you go from that you know i just don't want it to die kind of stage yeah. to okay well he's he's walking and and uh developing that personality and communicating and goofing off and getting into stuff he shouldn't and that sort of thing that that's the point where it's probably still very challenging where like he's you know he he's trying like for example we were over at my dad's one night and I had um, some cheesecakes some little individual cheesecakes on the counter um, open the container was open and he decided he saw that and he decided uh, those should go on the floor he just <laughs> swiped them on the, down I was like, I guess nobody's eating those uh, so, like, he's, a, like, sort of that sort of thing. Like, yeah. Like, just, you got to watch everything or he's going to smash it. Yeah,
1: I think we have a, a nephew who is, uh, he just turned one on December 31st. And we were over uh, this past Saturday for his birthday party. And it's very much, uh, his mom had put up photos every month since he was born. And it's crazy to see the change. And even at one year old, he's a lot of the same. He's not, he's not talking, but he babbles a lot. And he has the personality too. That's very much you talk about. He wanted the cheesecake on the floor. Well, uh, our nephew is—he uh, has these little plastic rings. It's this thing, and the much of the last hour or so that we were there was him picking it up, throwing it, then gesturing at somebody to get them for him, <laughs> so that they he could then throw it again once he had done that. And it's yes. very, yeah, it's fun once they're at that stage yeah. as well like just early on when it's when it's more than just like you said the thing that you got to make sure doesn't die yeah and
0: the little egg, extra large potato that you just got to make sure doesn't stop breathing yeah um it's funny to see how uh personality traits can be hereditary mm-hmm. um the kids too and he's as far as i know he's really developed an interest in things organically like my 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 brother has certain interests but it like for a child to just take to something so passionately he's obsessed with tractors my brother was the exact same way and like he's like his trucks tractors all that sort of thing he's just obsessed with and there's this uh cartoon on youtube that he watches i forget the name of it but it's like that the, the characters are half uh, machine, half dinosaur.
1: Okay. <laughs> it's, it's really bizarre,
0: but he loves it. And um, it's just funny how he's just created that whole, he's adopted that whole interest that my brother had the same way when he was a kid.
1: Yeah. I think, I think that a lot of people, like you think about your own interests and how many of them you got from your parents. And I think that people kind of discount that. I know a lot because obviously... So the picture that I used, if you haven't seen it on Twitter, to announce was new Leafs fan coming June uh, June 2019. And I've had people, friends mostly, say, whoa, what are you going to do if your kid's not a Leafs fan? What are you going to do if your kid's not a hockey fan? And it wasn't even me. It was Christine who was like, well... It's a joke. <laughs> it's, it's just cute. Like, it doesn't matter if he's a- That. Yeah. But also, like, the kid is going to... Be in a household where hockey is not sacred, but the, the, when I grew up, Saturday nights was we sat down in front of the television and we watched the Leafs game. And that's the kind of thing that is going to happen in our house too, because that's what I want to do. And the kid, boy or girl, is going to want to spend time with me. And sometimes that'll mean watching hockey. And so, yeah, there's obviously there's a chance that the kid's not going to like sports or, or not going to like video games or whatever it else it is that I like. But there is also a pretty good chance that that kid is going to because they're going to be around that. It's what yeah. you're around. Like I never really got – I had a lot of cars when I was growing up. but My dad is not a car guy, so I never really got into cars in the same way that a lot of – other kids did or even that like my nephews do because their dad is very much into cars and farm equipment and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he's got a lot of that. I never had any sort of like fascination with tractors or construction equipment because that wasn't really the household that I was raised in. Mm-hmm. So from that perspective, I my kid is going to have every opportunity to like sports and it's not going to be from me pushing it on them. It's just going to mm-hmm. be that's what's around.
0: Yeah. It, and you're kind of their idol and they just want yeah. they want to be with you and they want to be interested in the things you're interested in. Uh,
1: That that takes me... Sorry? I was going to say, that's one of my first memories with my dad. Uh, Like, I I can't remember how old I would be. What was... I would have been five. Five years old. It was a 95-96 Bulldogs season. It was their first one when they were here in Hamilton. And we went to a playoff game. I don't remember a lot of the game. I remember not understanding because at the old Cops Coliseum, I think still, the scoreboard says Bulldogs and visitors. And I... Did not understand why the other team was called the visitors that did not make sense to me <laughs> and but i remember my dad getting really into it and a lot of people around us being really into it and that was like it was something i wanted to be a part of because it's this this passion this this fun and i th- and that's what that's what my earliest memory of my of me and my dad and i think mm. that's the kind of thing that that shapes you when mm. when you're a kid is doing these sorts of things with your parents, or with with any sort of adult figure that that is important to you.
0: This conversation uh, reminded me of uh, something that I brought up for Christmas as well. About uh, I, when I was in grade one, there was a, we had an assignment. I don't know why I remember this so vividly, but I do. I think it's because I saw the assignment like a few years ago, and I was like, "Oh wow, that's really funny." Um, we had an assignment, in grade one, where we had to draw. What we wanted to be when we grew up, and uh, I, I remember that the, my best friend at the time, his his dream was to be a National Hockey League goaltender, and like his drawing had like him wearing the Montreal Canadiens logo, and like that was his dream. Mine was to be a salt miner <laughs> because my dad was a salt miner, and I just I saw that and I was like that that speaks to exactly what we're talking about here. It's like, I, dad's my idol. I want to do what my dad does.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. That's, I mean, my, I never really knew what my dad did and I still don't really know what my dad does. (laughs) I know where he works. I know approximately what his job title is. I don't know what he does on a day-to-day basis, but that, that was not really the thing that was with me and my dad was his job. It was always the things we did outside of that. Like it was the it was uh, it was sports. It was video games. Actually, my dad is it's the person who got me into video games, playing on our computer. And he's now just as into well, not just as into it. He doesn't play nearly as much as I do, but he's at his age, fifty something. Well, would he be fifty one? Uh, he's still into video games, and I think that's that's what I look at when I look at my future kid. Is that my dad and I still share a lot of the same interests because they were they started when I was little.
0: Your dad's in video games? Yeah. That's wild. Like my dad is not that far removed from your dad's age. He's a couple years older. But like my dad is incompetent when it comes to video games. Like he would not he wouldn't even <laughs> have to turn the machine on.
1: So my dad has always been a, a techie person. He's that his job is in technology. And yeah, he I actually got my Xbox One from him when he upgraded. <laughs> be his old console that's awesome and uh he buys more new games than i do partly because he has more disposable income than i do but we actually share uh essentially share accounts uh that's how much he's into it so we i all of my games he can play and all of his games i can play wow that's yeah. cool yeah and i mean <laughs> just circling back for a second, the other aspect of the Leafs fan thing that I wanted to touch on because there are friends of mine who aren't into sports who say, what if your kid doesn't like sports? And then there's my one friend or a couple friends who are into sports and they're like, man, what are you going to do if your kid's not a Leafs fan? Because we know a lot of kids who their fathers are Leafs fans and they are Bruins, Penguins, Blackhawks, et cetera fans. And the key is when you're seven to 14, Ish. that's when your fandom is really born if you're into sports those are the key years if the team that your dad supports sucks during those years you are probably not going to want to cheer for them because as a kid you don't like pain and i get that <laughs> because i've gone through a lot of pain as a sports fan at least were good for my formative years yeah when um, i was
0: a kid i was so jealous of the leafs fans because the teams were always good
1: yeah from it was so 97 and 98 they weren't great but from 99 till 2004 which was when i was eight years old till i was uh 13 years old they were great playoffs every year conference finals twice and that's really honestly why i'm a leafs fan because i knew they were good and it was fun to watch and so yeah, the Leafs could get bad before my kid reaches those years, but I don't think that's going to happen. I think the Leafs are going to be pretty good or at least well, competitive.
0: who knows? Like you have – not to get in too much of a chance. I feel like we're going out on a, a – the, the conversation goes naturally, but like we're sure, but- going, going off the rails here. But um, like – you think of the Blackhawks and in, in the Kings right now, mm-hmm. that they are two of the worst teams in the NHL, it's and true. five years ago, they were dynasties. Oh, you're right. Things could
1: absolutely go off the rails. Yeah.
0: But I'm confident
1: that <laughs> if my kid likes sports, uh, they will inherit the fandom that I got from my dad that was started by my grandfather when he emigrated over, uh, and he watched Saturday Nights with my dad. My grandfather is not really a hockey fan anymore, but... Uh, It's a family Vermeer family tradition. I can speak
0: to uh, sticking with the team through a lot of pain um, when you're a kid, where I was saying I always was jealous a little bit of the the Leafs fans because the Leafs were always going deep in the playoffs. They're made to the final, but they went deep. And uh, I was a Montreal Canadiens fan, and I became a Montreal Canadiens fan um, after my uncle was – so hyped after they won the cup in 93. Mm-hmm. So I was six. I didn't experience the cup at the time, but kind of came to know about it after. I think he even, he had it on VHS and like, we watched it yeah. when I was a kid, and that's when I became a Montreal Canadiens fan. And that preceded about 20 or so years of uh, just dread and <laughs> abysmal. So much pain. Yeah. Then they got good for a couple of years, and then uh, – I became not a fan. I'll
1: just leave it at that. <laughs> I mean, it's it's one of the things that, like, sharing that with my dad has been great. He's not nearly the avid sports fan that he used to be. He One of my favorite things that he had when I was a kid was this set of Coke cans from the 93 All- MLB All-Star game, which was in Baltimore. Because he and my uncle just road tripped. Decided after the Blue Jays won in 92 and we're good again in 93, they decided to road trip for the all-star game in Baltimore. And he just had this commemorative Coke can set for mm. all of my life. He gave it to me. It exploded. Uh, it's I, age. Listen, a 20, uh, Oh, I guess that would, yeah. The a,
0: pop just blew up
1: Yeah, on, on it. Well, exploded as a fun, it, it sprung leaks, you know, 25 okay. year old Coke cans. They're not really meant to hold the, yeah. <laughs> hold the Coke any longer. Um, but that, like, that was my dad and, and remembering the early memories of when he was super into it, sharing that has been great. And when he fell away, I didn't think he would ever come back. He still sort of watched sports, but the Leafs were bad. And he came back and when John Tavares signed this summer in July with the Toronto Maple Leafs, I have friends who are massive Leafs fans. The first text I got was from my dad and it was just such a, Fun thing to be able to share that again, to see that my dad was as excited. And now every time I see him, we talk about the Leafs. We don't talk about, you know, we talk about other things. But, like, the first thing he wants to talk about is Leafs, Leafs, Leafs. And sharing that, even at, like, I'm 28 years old, sharing that with my dad still takes me back to being a kid again. And I hope that whatever it is, that my kid will have that with me and hopefully with with christine as well whatever whatever the interests are
0: it's interesting that you bring up the john Tavares thing and i'm going to circle that back i'm going to try to at least into mental health and like i when he signed in july uh with his i guess childhood team like he was you when yeah. he was a kid yeah he had he the police bed sheets yeah and uh just the way that that happened was so like I I talk of I I talked before in the podcast about like existentialism and you know why we do we do or even just finding meaning in life and and finding joy and like that to me when he signed I'm not a Leafs fan like everything they do gets on my nerves because everything seems to be right these days (laughs) but like for him to say And not that he's poor, like he got paid a lot of money, but he left money on the table to the tune of two plus million a season had he signed in San Jose, plus tax implications, where I I saw somewhere that he pays like a half a million dollars more in tax a year in Toronto than he would have in California. And uh, so like it's two and a half million a year, let's say, over seven years. That's a lot of money left on the table. But he did it for like the good of his soul, I would say, and that he felt in his heart, like, this is where I want to be. This is what I always dreamed of. And he was in the position to say, I'm going to pursue my exact dream ahead when I was a kid.
1: Yeah, I mean, there are so many seven to 11, 14-year-olds that if you told them, you know, one day you're going to play seven or eight years, seven years, seven years for the New York Islanders, and then you're going to be a Toronto Maple Leaf. It would be the greatest thing in the world. If you had told me and I never played hockey, but if you had told me that it would have been, that still would have been my dream. Even though realistically as a kid, I knew I don't play hockey. I can't, I'm never going to play for the Toronto Maple Leafs, but that's, there's something so wonderful about like stripping away the, the business of, of sports and the cynicism of it. And just like when he signed his, he posted a photo to Twitter with the caption I'm coming home and it was like I don't know how old he would have been there like 8 9 year old John Tavares Yeah maybe not even in Toronto Maple like fast asleep with just Toronto Maple Leafs bedsheets and Toronto Maple Leafs everywhere and that's that's wonderful it's 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 so nice to see those human those human moments in in something like that especially a guy in Tavares who's a very not cold but he's been called a robot before because he's very uh, rigid and professional about the doesn't way he show a lot himself. of emotion. Yeah, yeah. And so that you know, it's it's such a like it's such a an incredible thing thing to think about how excited he has to be. And I mean, you can see it now that he's playing for the Leafs. You can see the excitement mm-hmm. uh, when he steps out there when he scores. But yeah, it's that it, that's
0: the dream come The childlike
1: through. enthusiasm. That's that's why that's why we watch sports. We don't watch it for the pain. We watch it because it it remind it brings us back. Very few people come to sports later in life and experience the same childlike wonder about it that, that, that people Mm. who grow up sports fans do. Yeah. It's great. I, it's, it's wonderful.
0: Yeah. And I've become a real cynic when it comes to a lot of that stuff in in sport and how like grown men will romanticize it and make it to be, uh, you know, criticize uh, people like, let's say William Nylander, for example, for holding out for what he believes is right for himself, and I, I, like, back off. Like the guy's doing what he thinks is best for him in his career. I think he's entitled to do that. And all these fans saying, yeah, "You know, to sign your contract." Well, it takes two sides, and the, mm-hmm. the, the Toronto Maple Leafs were equally at fault for not getting a contract done as William Nylander was. And so, like, I'm, like, I kind of see. I kind of strip it back and I see it for what it is these days, I think, where it's not like, it's not just this like romanticized thing anymore for me. But then I see something like what John Tavares does, and I said, that is the dream. That is the absolutely the dream come true.
1: Yeah, I mean, outside of the game, like, yeah, I think about the business of it and the 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 Nylander thing, especially, you know, how much does he time for? It makes sense against the cap, blah, blah, blah. But then every time a game comes on, it's just you know it all goes away and and who cares? Like they're out there playing, and this is what this is what you like. And and the people who do do I put a lot into sports? Yeah, absolutely. Like it's I, I one of the ways I watch a lot of Leafs games is if I'm busy that night, I tape it and then I turn off notifications on my phone and I watch it whenever I get home. And there have been times where Christine will say. I get the score notifications because I want to know what mood you'll be in when you come to bed, <laughs> and and that is in some cases true. Yes, some th- they them losing, especially to a team that I don't like, can put me in a bad mood. But <sighs> there's something so wonderful about about having something to care about, and and it's hard to to explain to people who don't like sports because it's just like, well, why do you care about the results of grown like other men playing for millions of dollars and it's you're you're not a part of the that team you're a part of a different team you're a part of the people who like the toronto maple leafs or whatever other team that is and everybody wants to be a part of a community that's why in 2010 the olympics in vancouver why canada was able to just come together in such a wonderful mm. incredible way because it was you know we were all a part of the same team we were cheering for Canada we are we're all Canadians it doesn't matter what whether you like one sport whether you like no sports you just everybody was swept up in this mm. in this wonderful national pride and i think that's what's so fun about sports or being a fan of anything really is that you get to be a part of a community and a part of a team and it's not just that I get to watch it by myself I want to talk about it I want to talk about it with with my other friends I want to talk about it with my dad and and that's it's it's something that you can let it affect your mental health for in the in the wrong way but mm. also it can be something that really is an escape and and something that lifts you up and as silly yeah. as that sounds but whatever you know people use media people use sports people use music all they use everything to kind of help them along and Mm -hmm. I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I don't think you should stake your entire mental health in one thing and to be honest with you I was guilty of that at one point. I, the 2014 World Cup right before it started I had broken up with my girlfriend at the time. We had broken up and I threw myself into the World Cup and it so happened that the Netherlands, my Uh, my grandparents' country of origin and the team I cheer for in the World Cup, they ended up going far. They went all the way to the semifinals. And I didn't realize until it was over when they lost that I had put everything into that. Mm. And I had let myself not think about the bad stuff and it all just came crashing down as soon as that ended. Mm. And I think that was bad. That was not healthy for me because I was staking my entire happiness upon whether or not the Netherlands moved on in the tournament. But I, I think it can still be an escape. I think it can still be something that, you know, you can use to be happy if you're not feeling well. And, and I use that.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm guilty a little bit of having the whole eggs in one basket sort of thing. And um, in, in, in a way, uh, I, I'm Montreal Canadiens were everything to me growing up. And then I got a chance to work in the organization and uh, kind of how I was treated while i was there and then the aftermath of uh, being let go uh in a a kind of an unceremonious way uh as there was a transition from it being from it being the montreal canadians organization to an ontario hockey league junior franchise i kind of lost my job in the process but kind of the way it went down was not great for me and then but i still hung on after i was like oh i was still a Canadiens fan, is because I always had been, and I still had that mentality that you only ever have one team, and that's like you live and die by your team. And then I like I was just very frustrated because I also think Mark Boruchman is incompetent, and the team wasn't very good in the aftermath of uh, me being involved in the organization. And then it came. Then it was the uh, PK Subban trade that finalized it for me because. I was kind of on the edge of not being a Montreal Canadiens fan anymore. But going back to the John Tavares thing and the, the dream come true of being able to choose your boyhood team to play for, P.K. Subban's boyhood team was the Montreal Canadiens. And just the way he carried himself on and off the ice with so much joy and passion for everything he did, that was the embodiment to me of everything that I would want to be if I could choose my destiny mm-hmm. was... I would want to be PK Subban and the way he carries himself and the way that he, the uh, way he, every facet of his life, what he does. And then um, he was just ushered out of town unceremoniously, not in a way I, I, I draw a parallel between how he was kicked out of the organization, and the way that I was kicked out of the organization. And uh, I was like, okay, I'm done. Yeah. Like this, this, he was the only redeeming quality they had left and he's gone. And uh, it was, so I'm still kind of not over that. And then you were talking about being part of a community and the difficult thing about that was that trade divided the Montreal Canadians community in mm-hmm. half. Mm-hmm. There was the side that I still have a hard time dealing with where it's like we're Montreal Canadians fans. We it, There's no other way. We have to accept everything they do as gospel. And this was always the right thing to do. There's no questioning it, which really bothers me. And that, that goes back to what i was saying about you know you, you only have or have one team and like and i was talking about uh, kind of romanticizing it and that whole the the whole thing from childhood and it to me as an adult it, to look at it objectively i'm like you're out of your goddamn mind mm-hmm. like anyway i don't want to get on to that too much but um, it's
1: it, yeah. i i think the eggs in one basket thing is 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 what can be the issue because when you stake everything on it every decision is life mm-hmm. and death and it, at the end of the day it's sports mm-hmm. and the the most relevant thing is we can talk about the canadian juniors and maxime comtois
0: yeah that's disgusting too and you know
1: i can sit there and i watch that and i thought to myself why is he taking the penalty shot there's better guys that could be taking it
0: and Who would be better than him? He played 10 games in the NHL this year. No,
1: I know. Uh, well, you know, I, I, that's that's a hockey decision. That's personal opinion. You know, I thought Morgan Frost, Owen Tippett, uh, other guys would have been even locally Mackenzie Entwistle I would have thrown out there. but Not a chance. Comtois. But the point is, like, I was thinking about that from a hockey perspective, and it didn't work. And I was like, well, ha-ha, I was right. And at the end of the day, they lost to Finland, and I was bummed. That kind of ended it. You know, I still sat there and said, I don't know that he was the right choice for the penalty shot. I don't know that he was a great captain. But you didn't go on
0: Twitter and talk about what a shitty player he is and that he's French. But
1: that's exactly the the thing is, like, I want to sit here and talk about from a hockey perspective. But there are some people who that matters so much, which is insane, by the way. Yes. There's something about – Adults. When you're a sports fan and you've got a team that plays 82 games or 164 games or whatever it is, you know, that's a long period of time and you kind of understand why for 6 months of the year they're staking everything into that team. The Canadian Ju- the the World Junior Championships are 2 weeks long and I care about them. A lot of Canadian hockey fans care about them. But to stake so much on it that you're going after this poor kid and attacking him personally with threats and with just terrible terrible things because he missed a penalty shot. Which guys
0: miss penalty shots all the time. You could have put the best player in the world out there and he might have missed it.
1: Still might have, still might not have scored. Finished goalie was great all tournament. You know, it's not I, – I sat there and I criticized from a hockey perspective why I thought that wasn't the right decision. I don't for a second blame him. I sit there and I say, well, what was the coach thinking? And you know – if I have criticisms of Maxime Comtois as a player, do I think he dives a lot? Yeah, I think he dove a lot in the tournament. Do I like that as a Canadian hockey fan? No, I don't. But at the end of the day, that's still a part of the game. And if he wants to do that, go for it. Somebody's probably going to punch him in the face on the ice for doing that. But he probably knows that and understands the risk that's of what he's That's part of doing. the game too. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but him as a person, I'm never going to say anything about him as a person. You don't I know, don't know him, him as a person. You don't know him. Like – and and of course he had to be French. You briefly mentioned it, but of course he had to be French because for a lot of Canadian hockey fans, that's got to be the defining thing. And oh, so he's not one of us because he's French. He's French, you know. And uh, I'm gonna say it. I think Don Cherry has to bear some of that for the way he talks about French players yeah. uh, over the years, and not that he is as terribly racist as some as these people who are going after Comtois, but i think he enables it yeah when you are flippant and cavalier the way you talk about french players versus about anglophone players you you enable these people to believe they should hate the french Mm -hmm. player because he is french and it's just this kid is how old is he 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 would be 19 years old he's 19 years old and, yeah, he's going to face a lot of criticism. You said it. He played 10 games in the NHL this year. The Anaheim Ducks like him. He's going to be an NHL player. He's going to face criticism. But nobody deserves to face the personal attacks because he missed a shot in a junior tournament. Not not that, it, you know, you can do that if somebody misses it in the Olympics. But let's think about this, folks. At the end of the day, Canada has how many gold medals at this tournament? So what? We didn't win another one,
0: you yeah. know? Yeah. Above all else, to criticize and to degrade this guy as much as people did, and considering it, they're kids mm-hmm. this, this tournament is full of kids, and there's adults making these kinds of comments and bullying this guy. Yeah, it's absolutely absurd. It's
1: listen, you want to talk about their play on the ice. You want to critically examine how they are playing. Because this is a high level, they a lot of these kids, all but one, are NH- NHL draft picks on the Canadian team. They understand what this is about, and if you want to say I don't think he had a good tournament, that's fine. But threatening a player or saying he's an awful person because he missed this shot—that's not—that's not criticizing. And what if it was your kid? We—I—I I, I don't know about you, but I still have some parents. Of OHL players that either I follow or they follow me on Twitter from my days covering the team, and two of those parents that uh, uh, I have I see that follow me and I follow them are Mackenzie Antwistle's parents, who was on the Canadian Junior team because he plays played for the Bulldogs. And when I see how proud and happy they are of their son just for making it there, and he had a great tournament, like I can't even imagine what it would be like if it was Mackenzie instead of Max and having to see his, his parents. They have have a
0: personal connection with
1: them. Yeah. Have to deal with like, have I met Margaret and Dave? I think that's their names. No, I haven't, but I've interacted with them over the course of, you know, that year that I was covering the Bulldogs and they're, they're people, they're people that are the same ages or younger than some of the people who are, are saying these awful things about a 19 year old kid. And the, I, I just can't – I can't fathom how you could make it personal like that.
0: Yeah, and uh, before we move on from this topic, uh, I just want to bring it back to the episode that we did with Aaron mm-hmm. Snow and how I, I had mentioned that it's absurd the amount of pressure that these teenagers get, not just in the world of juniors, but just across major junior hockey, that just because you play at the highest level of junior hockey, you're treated like a, like a pro. Yeah, absolutely. and these a lot of these guys aren't pros. A lot of these guys won't play pro. Uh, a lot of these guys, this as far as they're going to go in hockey, and I think it's it's just an absurd amount of pressure, and that goes back to what I'm talking about, where it, like all all sensibility goes out the window when it comes to sports sometimes, and how grown ass men can act like children,
1: mm-hmm.
0: and the junior hockey is the ugliest of it.
1: Yeah, absolutely, it is. And, and I I couldn't tell you why. <laughs> I, I don't know what brings out the worst. you know I we both uh, have seen the Canadians and Leafs fan bases on Twitter. and I have a nice window into the bad side of Leafs fandom. But as bad as they are, they're not they're not that. like even even when I think they're saying things or doing things that are over the line, I don't think they, stoop to the level that some of these people do over the world junior hockey
0: championships Mm.
1: like people just chill we don't get this worked up i listen i was only 15 years old in turin 2006 when the canadian men's olympic team lost and flamed out spectacularly i don't think there was this level of vitriol now granted social media wasn't a thing like it is now but I can't imagine this level if, – if the Canadian senior men's team had done this at the Olympics or does this at the World Championships or the World Cup, I don't think people would be this vile hmm. about it. And I think there's something – not because they're kids, but because people don't know who they
0: are. Yeah, maybe because the guys in the Olympics have developed reputation. You respect them already.
1: Yeah, and I think that it's, cr- it, it's insane that you respect you don't respect the 19-year-old kid cuz you don't know who it is so it's perfectly reasonable to to yeah. crap all over them but the the man who can again still not deserving of personal attacks but can take the the criticism a lot better because he's used to it is somehow exempt in your mm-hmm. mind from this insane level of vitriol is yeah yeah you know what don't don't care that deeply about things that goes just for sports that goes for movies, because boy, that stuff happens. I'm sure uh I don't know if you've seen that stuff, but people get a little worked up about their favorite movie franchises when they don't when they do things that they don't think are correct, and yeah. the same level of stuff happens it happens in video games, like don't base your whole life around this thing that yeah. when it doesn't go the way you want, you stoop to that level, and just don't do that on social media, period, <laughs> yeah. That's your a, life lesson for today.
0: Thanks. Thanks, Uncle Luke. Yeah. What a tangent. Right? Uh, let's get back to it. That was uh, that was not how I anticipated this podcast to go, but I think I hope it was a valuable conversation. Or not a valuable conversation, but an interesting
1: yeah. conversation. But we got we got other stuff to talk about because you talked in the last episode about a job opportunity that was opening up.
0: Yeah, and I'm sorry it took the better part of an hour to get to this point. Because as I mentioned in the last podcast, I, I had an offer from Canadian Mental Health Association, Ontario, and uh, it wasn't 100%. But I'm happy to report it is 100%. And I yes. started this past week and uh, I'm really excited. So uh, just wanted to basically bring everybody up to date on that. If you don't if you haven't seen it on social media already, that uh, I work there now. And um, three days in, the first week was, uh, was trying Only because uh, I had a lot of reading to do and I didn't have a lot of uh, projects, as in I had no projects, and uh, especially Friday where it was just kind of like I was kind of running out of reading material and I didn't have anything else to do. My boss wasn't there and I'm like, what do I do with myself? I was so bored. But uh, got that out of the way and I'm very optimistic that this week will be the start of something very exciting for me, something that I've... I've been eyeing for a long time. I've wanted to work for this organization since before I ever came out publicly about any of my mental health concerns. Um, th- this opportunity that, I'm, that I have right now actually goes back to uh, an interview I had with them almost two years ago. And then uh, that opportunity didn't work out, but I kept in touch with my now boss and I um, when the opportunity that I'm in now came up, I was the first person he thought of. So in a roundabout way, I created this opportunity for myself. And, uh, I, I, you know, sometimes I wonder if everything happens for a reason. A lot of people say that. I I don't know if I subscribe to it. But um, as I said in a, in a Facebook post, uh, this is one of those things that just makes me wonder.
1: It was perfect timing. That's for sure, right? Yeah. You're, you mentioned it the last time. Your, your contract with the Ticats was up. Yeah. And pretty much right away the <laughs> the call came and and yeah, I mean what what people obviously don't know from that last episode is that we left there and you told me we could probably cut that all out if need be, right? Like if the if the mm-hmm. thing doesn't happen. I say, Yeah. And I'm glad we didn't have to cut it out. I'm glad we could keep it in there because honestly yeah. this seems like the perfect opportunity.
0: And the only reason I was hesitant at the time was because I, I think I mentioned it on that podcast is that I've been rejected in every way almost imaginable. And I was just thinking... Because it, I thought it was solid and then it was there was a delay and there was an issue and then another delay. And I was just like... This just seems fitting that it would fall apart because sure. things seem to fall apart on me. But um, that said, I, I did trust... Uh, my, my now manager, I did trust him that this was going to come through. I just, because I've been burned so many times, there was a little bit of doubt in my mind, but I'm so overwhelmingly glad that it, it's, it's done and I'm started. And I hope this is just the beginning. Maybe it's, maybe this will be the end, but I hope it's just the beginning of um where I hope to go in the next few years in terms of, um, pushing this conversation forward in both my professional and personal life.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's, you've been doing so much just on your own social media, this podcast Mm -hmm. to further mental health. And I'm excited to see now in a, I was going to say, I I don't know how I was going to word that. That didn't sound like an insulting to to the social media or to this, but like now doing it for work, I think is going to be I think you're going to do great. Honestly, I think I told you that when you when you said you, you'll get the job. But I can't think of a better, the, just the way you talked about this versus how you've talked about anywhere else that you've worked as long as I've known you. Like this, this feels perfect for you, and and I'm glad that uh, that they saw that as well to to seek you out. Like mm-hmm. that's got to feel great, honestly. That they came to you yeah. rather than the other way
0: around. I got to say, it was a shock to my system. Well, he emailed me and said what are you doing now i don't know what your situation is so we may have an opportunity here i said well my contract ends tomorrow and then he's like well okay well let's i'll call you tomorrow and then that led to a couple of questions you know what you know what have you been doing lately you know, uh can you do this can you do that um you want the job and i was like whoa it's just yeah, not yeah. how any other uh, interview had gone before. That's for sure. It's a yeah. and what I'm excited about is that now I am in it. I I this is every day for me. I will be in tune eventually with all of the um all the intricacies of the mental health space uh, and how government. Um, treats it and that sort of thing and I hope that I'll be able to in time speak on this podcast with more um, with more expertise and more um, insight into a lot of uh, how this stuff works right now I I just speak from my personal perspective and uh, started this thing as kind of a peer support tool just this is what I've experienced and hopefully it helps you but now, hopefully, in the next few months, I'll be able to start speaking in terms of um, the the grander scheme of how um, mental health is uh, treated and and how it affects people in this province and in, in the country.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a that's a good segue to you put out a call for questions. I did, and we got a question. I, you know what? I almost forgot about that. Somebody too. likes us enough to ask us a question. I think this is the third question that we've gotten ever, and this might be the I can't remember. The same person sent us the first two questions,
0: but that's not this person. So this is our second question asker that we've ever had. Uh, Sharon Pinney, who has mentioned before that she is a uh, dedicated listener of this podcast. She says, Happy New Year, guys. Where do you see the podcast going this year? Any specific goals in mind, or will you let it evolve organically? Um, well, before, you
1: first off, I want to say uh, thank you, Sharon, for the question, and thank you for the very lovely direct message that you sent me. Uh, after our last episode, uh, I showed it to my wife, uh, far later than I should have. I forgot that I got it and and, and didn't show her until like last night, but thank you. Uh, it means a lot to get lovely messages anytime, but that, that was a really long message. So to spend that much time, um, saying nice things about me and about our podcast was really lovely. So thank you for that. As for the question, I personally have goal guests, I guess. Like, and and maybe they're pie in the sky and I'm not going to mention them because I don't want to put that out there that like, you know, well, especially if you're like, I want
0: to get these people, then they have no interest. in Right. Like, oh, I wow. don't want to be,
1: I don't want to put that out there and have them yeah. say no or, or, you know, I'll, the searching will come off pod and when we get them, then we'll tell you. But yeah. And, and I also want to do more personal stories and, and I think that again, not naming names, but there are definitely a couple that I have very much in my mind that, I mean, I don't see why we couldn't do them. So I'm fairly confident about doing them, but I would really like to. I think that what an episode that really stuck with me was the episode we did with my friend, Jess, that, you know, that was really eye-opening for me. And I'd like to do a lot more stuff like that. And I don't know how we do that, but I, I think that's that that kind of stuff when we just have people and not to say any of the other ones because all the other ones have been wonderful too but there's so, there's been something nice about just saying this is blank what's their title it doesn't matter what do they do What is, it doesn't matter we're just gonna tell yeah. their story
0: and I think that that speaks to what we said a, a podcast or two ago when I, I said everybody's got a story and it I think that these variances in 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 topics will come up naturally mm-hmm. because everybody's got a different perspective. Everybody's got a different experience. And uh, for Jess what coming in, I didn't know what we were getting out of them. And um, that was really incredible. And I think we're just going to get more of that. Oh, I hope we get more of that because yeah. I think that everybody experiences life differently and everybody's affected by, uh, by their environment differently. And, I just think that's going to come. I, mm-hmm. I don't think we have to necessarily seek it out that if we say there's these 10 people that I engage with on Twitter who seem like interesting people and let's just talk to them mm-hmm. and let's hear their story. Let's ask some questions that we haven't asked them before. And I think that that type of thing might just come out naturally.
1: Yeah. But yeah, like I said, there's also a couple that I, that I want to get where when you see the episode title,
0: you'll be like, they talked to that person?
1: Whoa. You and- know what's
0: funny about that? <laughs> Sorry to cut you off, Luke, but... Um, I met with the CEO of uh, Katie Mental Health Association Ontario before I formally got like the approval Mm -hmm. and all that. Because my boss just like she just wants to meet you, get eyes on you. Basically, she just likes to meet the people that we're going to hire, and like I guess that's a
1: good CEO right there.
0: Yeah, and I guess that would be just a matter of. You know, maybe she just really gets a bad vibe from me, and then I get to know. But like, I just it was, it was an informal meeting. I was in there talked to her for ten minutes, and uh, my boss brought up the podcast, and he said, "Tell her some of the people you've had on the podcast." Like he was like tra- bragging me up, and I was like, "Oh well, we've had Michael Landsberg and Clinton, Joni Malarchuk, and uh, Brent Sopel." Uh, just I was rhyming off some of the more known, sure, the like, notable the, names, the notable names, the like the fam- quasi famous people, mm-hmm. and um, she was really impressed by that. And I'm just like, cool, yeah. Like, like, so let's do more of that. I guess,
1: yeah. That's 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 fun for for uh, like, and and the big the quote unquote big names don't always result in the best conversations, but like honestly. In terms of feedback, um, the two-parter we did with Michael Boyer has been one of our – it was one of my favorite episodes to do, both parts, and we've gotten a lot of good feedback on that.
0: I was talking to my mom today, and she said she'd only listened to part one so far, but part one was without question her favorite podcast.
1: Yeah, so like those ones with people that you don't know who they are. Um, despite him having a title and, and a job that, that that was relevant. It wasn't just like a personal story one, although there was a lot of personal story in, in both Michael's episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, that's the big names don't always result in the best stories, and I think that's what I just want to do is have the best stories. If we could have it, it's not going to happen, but if every episode
0: could be the better than the one that came before it. And you know what? I feel like, and I don't know why I feel this way, maybe we are getting better, but I feel like frequently I'll message you after I listen to the like the edited version, and I'll be like, that's my favorite one. yeah, um, the like, first time you did that often. was
1: was Aaron snow. that was the first time that yeah. you I got that text and I've gotten that at least three or four other times yeah, that.
0: and it's it, it's funny how. And I'm always awkward about them. Like afterwards, I'm like, "Was that good?" Because I don't know. If yeah, it was good. which was funny
1: because you said that about the Aaron Snow one right after we yeah. finished it. Was you weren't sure if that was if that was great? And then I'm you so insecure. To it.
0: yeah. Like it's just it's just me. Like I'm just like I don't know if I ask good questions. I don't know if I'm awkward. And then I listen to it back, and I'm like, well, maybe other people think I ask bad questions or they think I'm awkward, but. After listening to it, I don't. Like, I, <laughs> Hi, think, I, I think I think it's pretty good. Yeah, th- no, <laughs> I don't know if I go that far, but I, I think they're pretty good. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's. I I just want to keep doing episodes that we get good feedback on.
0: It's been. Somebody commented, uh, sent us a tweet the other day about uh, Jess's.
1: Oh really? I must. Yeah, have well, maybe you we didn't that. see that one. I, uh, I don't know that I did see that.
0: Her um, last name was
1: Brower. Oh, Esther. Okay. You know her? Yes, oh, okay. that is that is Jess's ex. Really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Absolutely. She was messaging the one he
0: was referring to that yep. they were engaged. She was, oh, She wow. was
1: texting me a lot actually while she was listening to that episode. She opened with, "So I'm the devil, am I?" Because I called her that <laughs> that's awesome. uh, at one point, and I said, "Yeah, of course," but that's not related to to anything. Uh, <laughs> but she, uh, yeah, she was really great about it. She was messaging and uh, about the episode, and she said she really liked it, and it was really nice to hear. Like the the story, and uh, then she said, "You know, do you want me to share it on social media?" And I said, "Yeah, it was one of my favorite episodes." And I so, want
0: everybody to share everything.
1: So she put it out on on Twitter, and uh, she put it out on Facebook. Um, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, I forgot that. That's a whole that has a whole new layer to it now that I love. Yeah, yeah. So that that's I forgot that she did that. That's that's yeah. right. Yeah. That's um, cool. Yeah, I got a lot of feedback from our friends on on that episode, and that was really nice. There's still a few that have to listen to it, but um, it, it was really great of him to just come on knowing that they would all listen to it. Considering we don't really talk about that stuff. And and this, sorry, sorry. I think that I think that's the kind of stuff I like is is uh, offering people the platform. Because part of why we don't talk about that stuff as friends is that it's awkward. Like how do you bring that up? How do you just talk about that and take a to- mic
0: in front of you and make it public? Right. And, and <laughs> you know,
1: well that was the thing. Like I think Jess might have brought it up a few times. That's just, you know, it's you know, it's weird to talk about that stuff. And and yeah, it's it's somehow easier to bring people into this room and be like, You're just talking to us. Even with the knowledge that it's going to go out to all these people.
0: But that's the thing, though, is that even though it is just us, I feel like it makes it easier, like that there's a bigger purpose for it, that other people are going to listen to it.
1: Sure. You don't have to tell them one-on-one your story. You yeah. can tell them your story by saying, listen to this instead.
0: And I think Jess actually spoke to like the how it's passive, and if mm-hmm. people want to listen to it, they will. If they don't, they won't.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and. Yeah, that went really. I think even my mom might have listened to it and said, and said that she really liked the stuff. So I hope we get more of that. Not necessarily like you know more of my personal circle listening to the episodes. Although please keep listening. You know, don't stop just because we're done with Jess.
0: In terms of growing, um, she said any specific specific goals in mind, or we let evolve organically, and like it's going to evolve organically. It already has. Because I don't... Like, I'm not going to put any money behind it. No. Like, I'm not going to advertise it. Someone else wants to
1: put money behind (laughs) it. That's cool. Yeah, we'll take that.
0: And one thing that concerns me a little bit is that recently our numbers seem to have plateaued a little bit. Like, in the early going, like, there was a definite growth. And each episode was being listened to more than the last. And now recently it's just kind of stagnated. And that concerns me a little bit. I hope that we're holding people's attention uh, but, um, at the same time, I just, how I feel about it is I just want to stay true to myself. I want to, I want to create content that I would want to listen to. And as long, I think as long as we keep doing that, it will evolve and it'll, and it'll, it'll happen. we we'll, it'll, we'll get more listeners. Um, I, I get really jealous of like, uh, the, giving voice to depression, for example, mm-hmm. that, that, that podcast and Terry McGuire, she does a wonderful job. And uh, like she, she's mentioned her numbers before and how they've just grown exponentially. And like I want to get to that level where we've got thousands of listeners on a podcast.
1: I think the thing is you and I don't have huge reach in terms of our followings. Well, she podcast. didn't
0: either at first. No.
1: And that's – so I think right now what we're doing is we've hit what we can do with our followings. But all it takes is one, somebody with a much bigger following to like our stuff and put it out there. Yep. And, you know, I'm happy to keep going until that happens. And and I think that that's kind of behind my wanting to chase these big guests is, you know, if we can get this big name and that big name will share it with their yep. however many followers and then we can get more people listening, then the, mo- the smaller stuff will get the same amount of listens, the stuff that – it not is better, but you, you know what I mean like it, it, the personal stories will also come across the more powerful ones that we feel like we've done. yeah and so we'll keep doing those ones because we like them but hopefully we'll find that one or those two people that will will boost our signal enough and then and then it's I can't remember where I saw it, but I saw somewhere once that there is a point that you have to hit and once you hit that point it just starts to spiral out of control in terms of how many people you can engage it's with tipping on, point. on social media. Okay. And I think we're just waiting to hit that. And I think we will, honestly, if we just keep doing what we're doing. People want to talk to us. You know, it's not like even with our numbers, those big names are still coming on. And mm. right? it's because, you know, we're just talking. We're not, we're not like chasing somebody saying, well, you're a big name. Will you come on our little podcast? We're chasing people who are big names but are also have stories to tell. And
0: what I appreciate about Michael Landsberg and Clinton Joni Malarchuk and Brent Sopel and Mark Hennick, uh, those are some bigger names that we've had on this podcast. And they, like some people only want to do something that would have a big reach. Mm-hmm. Whereas these people, um, they're busy people, but they chose to do this podcast cause, because they believed in what we're doing. The same goes for uh, Georgia Eid, who we're going to have on the podcast we're actually talking to her this week, but that'll come out in a week or two. Uh, she's a nutrition expert and uh, psychiatrist, actually. Uh, she specializes in the paleo diet, and the keto diet. I'm on the keto diet, and uh, I wanted to talk to her about like, the effects and the science behind the effects that are, as it relates to uh, psychological uh, implications of, of your diet and uh, she had actually – when I asked her because I, I had asked a couple other people as well if they were interested and she was the one that got back to me and she said, I've kind of put – I don't do podcasts anymore because I get so many requests but yours is unique because it's your personal experience and I like what you're doing. So I'm, I'm happy to do that with you and like I, I've had that kind of reaction a couple of times and that makes me feel really good that we're, we're on to something here and then we're doing it a different way.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully big things to answer your question, Sharon. That's what we're hoping Yeah, in for terms of a
0: number, like I, I mentioned off the top of this podcast that we had 6,000 streams in 2018. If we could get 12,000 in 2019.
1: Yeah, I think that's fair. I Simply on the basis that we sh- hopefully will be doing this constantly.
0: We have some momentum and – uh yeah, I, I just hope that more people keep listening, and the people that do listen are telling other people to listen. And I just, I, I, I mean, I don't have great aspirations to like make this like my job or anything, but just if we could get to a point where uh, we're actually really making a dent in mm-hmm. the in then in kind of the mental health conversation, and we become uh, a. A show that's recognized that'd be really cool
1: yeah absolutely yeah that would be great so that's our go- that's i guess that's our resolution for 2019
0: let's go yeah all right well i w- the point of coming in here was to talk about uh your your fatherhood and to talk about my uh new job opportunity in the field that i want to be in and uh most of it was about hockey yeah so uh but you know what we brought it back around we mental did. health.
1: And and uh, you know I what? think a lot of
0: it had to do with mental health. I kind of think I wanted to
1: talk about the bullying thing. I kind of think it was I was hot under the collar yeah. with the, with that. And and this is this is the space for it, right? Like this is, you know, it's 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 <laughs> it's finally a hockey story we could talk about on here as if yeah. we haven't been talking about hockey for almost every episode.
0: Yeah, and as I mentioned on the Julie podcast we did, sometimes it's just fun to mm-hmm. go on a tangent. I just hope that some of the people that are listening actually know something about hockey and we didn't just blabber on with something. They have yeah. no idea what we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry if you made it this far and, and you didn't understand half of it, but
1: but hopefully listen, um, you listen cause you like us, not cause you know, yeah. you like our guests or other stuff.
0: <laughs> I just love Joe Rogan's podcast and Hey, how they will talk about everything. And yep. like, it's almost like there's no agenda Yeah, he just starts talking. Uh, He's high on drugs, but uh, we're not. <laughs> no, no. But it's just amazing Although if we wanted
1: to be, we legally could be <laughs> yeah. here in Canada.
0: <laughs> yeah, but it's just like I think that's part of why he just kind of goes off on everything. But it, it's I find it exceptionally captivating. Mm-hmm. And I, it's it's a lot of fun. And I, I hope that we uh, give you a piece of that when you listen.
1: Yeah, and I think that's the evolution that I was talking about. How we have evolved since I joined up is that we have become a little more... Uh, laid back and let the conversation go where it wants.
0: And I don't mean to stroke your ego too much, but (laughs) you've you've been a big part of this and you've been... uh, Yeah, this has been... a Obviously, it's a completely different dynamic than what it was. It was just me talking. Uh, Like I said before, I'm terrified to go back and listen to the old episodes. I don't want to listen to myself. um, Especially... I think it'll help people that are in a major depressive state to hear it from somebody else that is also in that state. Um, but I think it would, honestly, I think I'd probably have some PTSD a little bit to go back and listen to that and think, oh my God, like that's, that's where I was. Sure. Um, I hope it helps somebody else, but I'm not going to go back and listen to no, it. That's fair. I
1: mean, I've, I've said it many times on this podcast. I don't listen because yeah. I don't want to hear myself talk. <laughs> so it's no, I, weird well,
0: that my friends do. I do listen and I think that, uh, I think we do good stuff. And I think so too. Tell us, tell us if, uh, if you think so too. Yeah, we, so, uh, we we see you liking, we see you retweeting.
1: Talk to us. We want to be talked yeah. to. Yeah, you know, I
0: would like to get to a point. Like I listen to Bill Burr's podcast a little bit, uh, and uh, Bob McKenzie does it as well. Like he, they have a floodgate of emails that they get. I love Bill's podcast. You ever listen to Bill, Burr, Bill Burr's not, no. podcast? So he's got a like a like an advice portion of it. It's almost like a Dear Abby. Yep. But it's like absurd, and this and. The people – the things that people will tell him and then he's got to kind of like give them some like personal advice. He's a comedian and just the just the way that, that the whole thing happens, I, I just love it. And if we get to a point where we're not giving people advice but we actually have an engagement with listeners and we're answering questions on the podcast, that would be really cool. That's yeah. another goal I have for 2019.
1: Yeah. We don't – like listen. We – if you want to send us a question, whether it's related to the episode or not, like just, just ask. We'll yeah. answer it. Like – we, we know exactly how many questions we've gotten yeah. since I started on the show. So And we answered all three of them. Yeah. So we'll answer your question. Promise. I, I promise 100%. If you ask us a question related to an episode, yeah. just unrelated, we'll answer it on the podcast, yeah. provided we legally can.
0: Under what circumstances would it be illegal to answer the question?
1: I don't know. I'm just – I'm protecting our asses. Uh, it's absurd.
0: <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, I guess we'll sign off with our with our usual uh, like, subscribe, uh, rate, review, tell your friends About this podcast, subscribe to it Wherever you get your podcasts And uh, follow me on social media At J-D-I-C-K-I-E on Twitter Or send me a message on Facebook Messenger and Luke
1: You can follow me on Twitter At The Elvermeer T-H-E-L-V-E-R-M-E-E-R
0: Thank you for listening We are excited about what's to come in 2019 And we hope you will be a part of it And help us grow it Thank you for listening and we will talk to you soon